Welcome back, Red Letter Disciples. I am Zach Zender, one of your co-hosts, and in just a minute, I'll be joined by my pastor friend, co-host Chris Johnson, and we are kicking off season six of the Red Letter Disciple. This is a podcast to challenge you, that's right, you, to be a greater follower of Jesus in your everyday walk with Christ, knowing that when we live up to the great calling of being a great disciple... Uh, we're going to change the world. So I'm pretty pumped. we got a really uh, amazing season coming, and it's starting today with Richard Pope. Richard Pope has an incredible story of not only planting a church, but he planted a church directly after receiving word from the doctor that he had terminal cancer, only three to five years left to live. And in the midst of hearing that news, he pressed forward, and God's done amazing things through his church Richard talks a lot about suffering and how suffering can be uh, actually a really great ally in discipleship, and, and I think a lot of us try to avoid it. And he's got a really powerful story, and he's three years into this, and I'm not going to spoil it, but he got an update not long ago that has some really great news. So you're going to hear from Richard, uh, incredibly inspirational and powerful story today. It's going to be awesome. But today's episode is sponsored by Red Letter Challenge. It's a 40-day challenge to grow greater disciples. And so church leaders and pastors, Easter is coming. And so here's my question. Are you going all in for Easter? I hope so. But what are you doing after Easter? We would invite you to embark on a 40-day adventure, church leaders, with us at Red Letter by launching one of our ready-made 40-day challenges. Pastor Seth Goldsmith was leading a church in Florida that was stuck right around 100 people in worship for a couple of years, and he launched a 40-day challenge right after Easter in 2022. And through this 40-day challenge uh, on our end and some great pastoring on his end, he grew his church in his, these 40 days from 100 to 160 and they maintained that. And then the next year, 2023, after Easter, they were back for another 40-day challenge, this time with more than 200 involved. And so that's what I want for your church. I want you to grow your church, stop fretting and having to do everything on your own, go all in on Easter, knowing that you've got 40 days of done-for-you material that's gonna leave your church excited, that's gonna leave them enthused, and honestly, being challenged in their faith to be greater disciples. And so here's what we got. Go to redletterchallenge.com slash join, redletterchallenge.com slash join, and enter the code after Easter 100. We'll put this in the show notes, and that'll get you an extra $100 off any order over $1,000 or more on our website. Prices are already discounted in bulk, and so this is like a double discount, but we want you in for a really powerful 40 days. The season this year in 2024 after Easter, Easter's so early that it's a really awesome time to continue to grow and get some momentum going into the summer. So that's redletterchallenge.com slash join. The coupon code is at our website as well in our show notes, but we would love to to team up with you and your church for a powerful 40-day experience. All right, one last thing before we get into today's episode with Richard. If you haven't already, we're back for season six. We're so pumped about this season. But if you have not yet, would you please leave a five-star rating for us? Let us know what difference this podcast is making. What's your favorite episode? Why is it your favorite? How has it challenged you? We want to hear from you, our listeners. That really helps us to be able to continue to do these things. And so not only rate and review, but whatever platform you're listening or watching, would you follow and would you subscribe? Uh, that really does mean the world to us and allows us to keep doing what we're doing. Speaking of which, it's time to get season six going. Richard Pope today, great episode. Let's do this. We got an awesome episode today. We got Richard Pope coming on to the Red Letter Disciple. Richard is the lead pastor of Canvas Church in Salisbury, Maryland. You know, uh, which Salisbury. Which is not the home of Salisbury State. There it is. You've already... That's, I, knew, I knew where you were going to go. I can anticipate where you're going to go. <laughs> okay. That would have derailed us for far too long, and it only took 15 seconds of derailment. But anyway, getting back to Richard, mm -hmm. he planted Canvas Church a few years ago, but what makes his story incredibly unique and really inspirational to me as a former church planner, and Chris is a church planner as well, is that he planted this church even after he found out um, he had terminal cancer. Whoa, way to give away the end of the story. All right, guys, have a good podcast. <laughs> He just no, it's it's a great story and one that Richard tells. And I first heard about it on another podcast called Terminal, the Dying Church Planter. Oh my gosh! Super inspired by it. So Richard, what's up, man? How you doing today? Hey, Richard. 
Good, man. It's good to be here with you guys. And I love the red jacket. Thank you, sir. I like the red glasses. For those of you you. that are listening to this podcast, just for the glasses alone, you should check us out on YouTube. Yeah, I should probably join in on the red stuff. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, this guy rolls up here. You kind of missed out, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hey, Richard, man, we uh, actually, I want to get into your story in in a little bit, but we first exchanged emails yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I usually get one or two random calls a year from somebody that's like, I want I'm thinking about breaking the world record for the longest speech. Yeah. And yeah. anyone that calls me, whether they attempt it or not, I know is a crazy person. <laughs> so what makes you want to do some crazy things, especially for the Lord? Yeah, man. Uh, I think the gospel itself is the most scandalous, <laughs> crazy story ever mm-hmm. that God would wrap himself in mortality. Uh, and I, I'm Gen Z, barely. Uh, I say that a little bit begrudgingly, but I recognize that in America, the church in a lot of places isn't growing. I'm in the Northeast, where historically we're kind of shrinking. Um, Yeah, and I just think when we do crazy things that point to Jesus, it points to his love for us in a really cool way. Uh, Also, I have just a stroke of pride that the Lord's working on, and I really wanted a plaque. So uh, (laughs) there are deeply spiritual reasons and deeply sinful reasons, (laughs) and I wanted to do it. Well, I can give you the Pastor Zach game plan because I was there with him as he did the whole thing. He broke the world record for the longest speech, and then about a month later, some guy from South Korea broke his, his record. But he still got the plaque, and it's in his office. And then right after that, you have to promise your church that you'll give them free tattoos if they put the cross <laughs> logo on. He That's... did that, and he was on Fox News for that, too. Yeah, yeah. anyway. Is that the game plan? That's the game plan. Anyway. So I'm just telling you, if you start off with that, pretty soon you'll be offering everybody free tattoos. I know <laughs> hey, that. I've we, seen it. Don't do, do it. Don't do it. Here. There will be Little people, fr- way too many, way more people than you think that will want one. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah, how many did you end up paying for? <laughs> I think 24. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was crazy. He's giving me an idea, man. Yeah, so. I'm just well, and that's why I like the craziness, right? I think sometimes, like this this world, man, it, it's it, it's it's it is crazy to begin with, but uh, we get to make our stamp on it, and each of us has a unique way to live out our calling. Oh and- wait, wait, I forgot one other thing that Zach did. So he had this big Easter egg hunt, and he had like a thousand kids there, and then he um, he he rented a helicopter and dropped the Easter eggs from the helicopter, but the kids ran on the field before they were supposed to, and they all got pelted with Easter eggs. You weren't supposed to say that, man. I mean, it was really cool. Uh, we could still get sued for something like that. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not past the statute of limitations on that. Um, but no, man, I think your story is really great and love love that. Hey, you said earlier, I'm begrudgingly Gen Z, or yeah. like why, why 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 is that begrudging? Tell me tell me what what that's from. I mean, I'm actually perfectly fine with being Gen <laughs> Z. Uh, it's just there's certain yeah there's certain societal expectations uh, about Gen Z. Quite honestly, I think if you look at a protest, regardless of political views, and you see all those Gen Zers out there. Man, I think Gen Z has the most revival potential yeah. of any generation in a long time. Because Gen Z's all in, bought in, sold out. Uh, I said begrud- begrudgingly because a lot of times, you know, being the Gen Z guy in any Christian or ministry circle tends to be a little bit, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, begrudging. Yeah, and we have a <laughs> middle word up. Yeah, we have a heart for Gen Z. We've had several episodes, even did a little mini series. Uh, four episodes in a row on ministry and discipleship in Gen Z. That's Mm. a real passion and heart for mine. And I think there's tons of misconceptions about Gen Z and just trying to help people see uh, them in a positive light. I'm a, I'm a millennial. Chris is older than that. He's super old. What are you, Gen X? Or yeah, you, I'm Gen are X. A, are you in the greatest generation? I am in the greatest generation. <laughs> yes, I served our country. <laughs> but I, but I think there's these stereotypes about each each. And I'm like, man, we need to if we want if we care about the future of the church and the future of discipleship, we need to be positive and speak life into the next generation, not tear them down. So I'd love to hear from a Gen Z. Uh, what what's been your experience? Have, have you had lots of folks that speak life into you, or have you seen the opposite or a little bit of both? Yeah, uh, we'll talk more about the story later, but with just some of the battles I had in planting, I think there's almost a novelty. Um, I I think there's like this novel, hey, it's a young pastor, especially if they're having some fruit and success in ministry. Um, You know, uh, that in one hand, it's like, there's this like, oh, you're so cute, bless your soul. Uh, I remember telling someone I was preaching through the book of Revelation at our church. It was our second year. Aww. And an older pastor said, oh, wow, really? You're so young. And I was like, what are we talking about here? Uh, 
But on the flip side, I've had tons of encouraging conversations. Um, we're in a very artsy city. The average age in the city of Salisbury is only 29. Wow, wow. So artistic, young, creative. Uh, I fit the mold. A guy with red glasses who's 26 <laughs> is like the perfect I am the demographic, so uh, there's there's good fruit and there's weird challenges, but I think every generation probably had their own. So, so yeah. I, I have a I have a question. So you are young, twenty six is, is young to plant a church. When did you um, first plant the church? How long have you been at, at that place? Uh, April of 2021 was launch Sunday, middle oh. of COVID in Maryland, which was an interesting and unique experience in itself. Uh, all health issues I had aside. Um, so that would have been, we turned three in yeah. this April and I'll be 27. Uh, I turned 27 in March. So I was 24 when we launched. Wow. I got assessed by said network, which is a church planting network when I was 23. Yeah. So I got endorsed when I was 23, planted when I was 24. Wow. That's awesome. I love it, dude. And I think like when you look at Jesus and the disciples he chose, we don't think about it a lot, but they're a lot younger than most people imagine um, them. And he handed off ministry to really young people. And I think we can do a better job of handing it off. And what we found in scriptures is true in all of our lives that when when any of us step into discipleship or leadership, we all have gifts and we have roles and we're going to make mistakes and thank God for his grace. And that's true no matter what age. And so that's been my thing is like, how can we pass off stuff earlier um, to younger people so they can really step into their calling? And so I want to hear more than of your story. We know then the church was planted three years ago. You'll you'll talk about that. Um, But your story is featured on another podcast that uh, is a really cool, like limited edition run of eight episodes um, all around your story called Terminal, The Dying Church Planter. And so that's definitely a next step for people to hear more of Richard's stories. Check that I, podcast out. I feel like you're, you know, I just imagine popping up iTunes, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to listen. And then you're like, okay, we've got uh, this thing from NPO Terminal, the <laughs> dying church planner. Like, man, that's going to make you stop scrolling when yeah. you see that. And so, it, yeah, talk it, a little bit. It's a really compelling story. So I'd love to hear even before the story, like what made you want to tell your story? Why, why was that important? Was that hard for you to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know that song? It's based on it's based on scripture. They'll overcome by the word of the lamb and the uh, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Yeah. One thing I think that has power is words. I mean, as a Christian, it's pretty hard to believe that there is no power in words. Um and, and I think when we share our story, the good and the bad, I feel like we love uh we love praising, mm-hmm. but the book of Lamentations is a book in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I, I think there's a beauty in showing the sovereignty and kindness of God in our lives, I feel like as Christians, we love those mountaintop testimonies. Mm-hmm. I was facing this, but then this. Um, but I think what makes God beautiful is the ability of Christ and Jesus to just sit in the midst of mm-hmm. the messiness. Um, so a friend approached me. Uh, his name's Noah. He works for the North American Mission Board, who ended up making the podcast. Um he, he's some bigwig or something. I don't know exactly what he does, but it's an important job. And he <laughs> called me and he's like, dude, uh, I'd love to propose this idea. And then it's actually funny, Zach. Trevin Wax is the executive producer. And mm. when you did your your, your preach-a-thon, uh, <laughs> Trevin Wax wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition That's about right. your story. Uh, so I connected with Trevin Wax and they ended up uh, agreeing to do it. And what's what was really cool and what really helped me like feel comfortable because there is some nervousness with the with the topic. Like I don't want to be this like like I don't want my story to be commercialized. I don't want to be this 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 thing and not a person. Like I I just had a lot of internal struggle even then though with saying yes to the podcast. Uh, Tony Hudson who narrates it was the producer. Um, did all the interviews. Tony Hudson's a cancer survivor. Mm. And I remember sitting at a restaurant. They he flew up from Atlanta. Uh, he came to one of our church services, and it was a really bad church service in early days church planting. Like, it wasn't attractive or cool or sexy. It was pretty bad. Uh, and we're sitting at a restaurant. You guys get that, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And he's I like, mean, hey. I haven't had one, but I've seen Chris ha- has had a few of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just oh, kidding. I'm I've kidding. had some stinkers, <laughs> of course. <laughs> hey, they happen. But he uh, he looked at me, and he's like, hey, I want to tell your story because I think your story has power. And then he said, I wish I knew your story when I was battling cancer. Mm. And that was, like, the final straw. I was like, man— this is like a God story. Uh, I'm bought by Christ. We're, we're bought into the family. The least I can do is tell what God's doing in the midst of it. So, yeah, that's why I told it. That's so good. And that, that verse that you mentioned, Revelation 12, 11, we overcome the enemy by the 
blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I had this revelation about that revelation not long ago that like, yeah, half of that of overcoming enemies already been done. (laughs) The blood of the lamb has already been spilled. And so whether we win against the enemy or not, you know what that is? That's in our hands. That's in our mouths. That's in our stories. And so mm-hmm. that's the goal. If, if we want to overcome the enemy, which at the same time brings freedom to others, like it's on us. God's given that to us. He's done his part already. It's now our part. Mm-hmm. And and your story is bringing freedom and help. And I heard, I heard that in the exchange with Tony there of... Uh, how powerful it would have been for him to have known that. And and there are many other people like Tony that have heard your story now that you have helped and brought freedom and life and meaning and just yeah. really good questions to their stories. And so, yeah, let's walk into it. Uh, tell us, I, I, I'm good. Like, I know there's eight episodes on it, so I want people to actually listen to the whole story. Um, but I'd love to hear how, yeah. however much you want, wherever you want to start. Like, tell me about what God did in your story um, that that um, is so amazing that a, a whole podcast series is based on it. Yeah, the podcast really deals with two parts of my story. Um, You know, the overarching theme uh, or overarching topic, I was diagnosed with cancer uh, twice before planting the church uh, in November of 2020. I went through Send Network Church Plant Assessment, um, which if you've never planted a church and you're listening, typically networks have some sort of assessment process to make sure you're not crazy or to make sure you're the right type of crazy for their network. Um, (laughs) Send Network thought I was the right type of crazy. So they funded us and supported us and trained us, endorsed us. Um, In December of 2020, I would have been a year cancer-free from my second battle with cancer. Mm. Um, Pretty mild experiences, really. Like first time, six weeks of treatment minor surgery second time. I thought it worked for like four or five months, but again, relatively compared to cancer, relatively minor. Um, but a year out, go to assessment. It's December of 2020. We're about to launch a church, uh, in the middle of COVID, which in Maryland, like I know some yeah. States COVID never happened. It really <laughs> happened in Maryland. Uh, we really felt that thing. Uh, you know, the, 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 the societal changes, the, uh, the, the, the distancing rules, like we had those later than a lot of other states. So like when states were like walking out of some of that in the end of 2020, we were still like complete lockdown in some areas. So just navigating all that, uh, I had a one year checkup. Doctor tells me the cancer's back and it's like a week before Christmas Eve. Um, I remember telling my wife, we'd only been married for nine months. Uh, it was pretty hard, but we were so busy planning a church. Like it just was, It was almost sinfully easy, like, to just avoid the issue, uh, which also meant avoiding dependence on Jesus, honestly. So so time time out a second. Time out a second. Like, Zach's planted a church. I've planted a church. Uh, You have so many issues when you plant a church. Money, (laughs) volunteers, you don't have equipment. You were one week in front of Christmas Eve. And now imagine this, Zach. You've got all that other junk that comes along with planting it. Yeah. You've got COVID where nobody wants yeah. to leave the house and or right. can leave the house. Right. Right. And then you get diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Like, what else can you throw at this dude at this point? Right. And, yeah. and he's still like, you know what? Let's go forward. Let's go forward. I think we got yeah. this. Dude, you honestly, are insane, though. my friend. You are insane. This is amazing. I can make it a little bit crazier. All so right. Go. Before being told terminal, before that word even came into play, uh, Partly inspired by you, Zach, we did a 24-hour live stream. We, we were renovating this old building. Um, it's a strip mall, 2,000 square feet, uh, nowhere near enough room, but it's the only person who would rent to a new church with no credit. Uh, <laughs> and our plan was to, like, use it and then use it as offices when we outgrew it. Um, didn't work that way because it never works the way we think it will. Mm. But we're in there, and we think we need ten grand in renovations. Turns out we need twenty grand. Yep. Uh, I had raised ten grand. I needed ten more grand. Yep. We were supposed to launch uh, in March. We ended up pushing the launch back to April because of this. So we need to raise the money in like a week, and it's like right before Christmas. So in like three days, we pull together sponsors. <laughs> And we do a 24-hour, uh, we call it the Hoopathon. And I preach through the gospel, Genesis to Revelation, uh, kind of big themes uh, for 24 hours. That was awesome. after my first day of chemo. Oh, my god! I was gosh. on chemo the day before. Wow. So not 
didn't break Zach's record, man. No, uh, now no, like but 90 hours. I'm not even trying. 90 hours is not cool. Like, like in dog years <laughs> with chemo, you went 90 yeah, hours. That's say, incredible. That's, that's more impressive. Yeah. And uh, I also saw the 90 hours because I had this thought. I'm super competitive. No. Like, yeah, I wonder, so like, if I knew what the record would it was like, and what I could have taken it to, I could have gone longer, I feel like, definitely physically. I was emotionally wiped. But like once I saw 90, I'm like, yeah, I, that was a cool season. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with being, be- it's like being beat by Mike Tyson. <laughs> right, I'm okay yeah. with being beat by that guy. I, I, I remember being there as Zach left like at the 90th hour. and it, I, 53rd it, hour. 53rd. That's what I meant. <laughs> right, 53rd. Hey, he's I'm a good sorry. friend, bro. He's oh, yeah, those numbers yeah. I know. I know. Right. When he left the after, fish was this big. after 53 hours, it was like Lazarus emerging. <laughs> from the tomb after being dead. He's like ripping his claw. I was like, dude, it just go. And he slept for uh, like a, you slept for a while after uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, it was a good nap. Uh, a really yeah. good nap. So that's super cool. So you did a 24 hour thing the day yeah. after chemo. First uh, round. To, and and oh then my gosh. We're renovating the building. The cancer spreads. And when the cancer spread, they need to remove a lymph node. Um, hmm. Cancer, this is going to sound hard, but like it's it's just, been my experience. Cancer's not bad. It just is what it is until it starts spreading, yeah, right? Like if yeah. cancer's just one mass that's easily removable, uh, you do that, you do some chemo, you're fine. That was my experience twice. But yeah. this third time, it spread to a lymph node. Um, in the post-op scans, the doctor, not a believer, walks in uh, and tells me that it's like an anti-miracle. He tells me if I pray, I should pray. Um, they actually bring in, this is a fun, fun, kind of fun part now. They bring in like a Unitarian Universalist chaplain, which <laughs> I'm all for ministry yeah. with cross denominations. But there's there's just a difference, right? Well, sure. Uh, my little Southern Baptist church planter self was like, oh my gosh, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the doctor tells me that the cancer spread pretty much everywhere. Um, mm. When a doctor start, stops using medical terms and starts using genera- general generalizations, yeah. it's never a good thing. Right. Um, the doctor at that moment, we're two months from launch, really like a month and a half, tells me I have three to five years to live. Oh, my Granted, goodness. Granted, that was three years ago, so he was wrong. Uh, <laughs> but we planted a church. I, I remember in March, um, first Sunday of March, we were doing the preview service thing, which let's be honest, it's just a way to have crappy church services and figure <laughs> out what's going to work and what's going to not. Mm-hmm. Like, we try to make it sleek. It's not sleek. It's because we are not. We don't know what we're doing. Uh, and I remember telling our launch team of like 20, 25 people, um, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be here with you guys. To, to see this through. If you want to leave, I'll help you find gospel churches. And Chris, I say this because it's something you said. It wasn't me that said I'm going to keep going. Uh, I, I told our launch team, if you guys want to do this, I'll do it with you. But it was really the courage of those 25 mostly new believers. I mean, we were like the, the, the island for misfit toys when it came to church plants. We weren't sexy or cool. Like, we didn't even know what an Instagram filter was. We just did it because we loved Jesus and had lost friends who didn't know Jesus. Um, most, of our, most of our early launch team came out of my personal evangelism uh, as just a Christian, which was really a unique scenario. But there was this real bond. Uh, the guy who's now my executive pastor was visiting from a church I had interned at previously, um, Keith Conkle. And he came up middle of COVID, grabs me by the arm, and he says something to the tune of to hell with COVID. Uh, he said he would never say that, but he grew up independent fundamental Baptist, so he doesn't cuss. <laughs> uh, but something to the tune of to hell with COVID, and, mm-hmm. and he prayed over me. And, and this this group gathered around me, and this guy who was wrestling in his faith, newer believer, I remember him praying, God, please heal our pastor. And that for me was like this like landmark moment of like, these are my people. Mm. I'm their pastor. They want to do this, right? Like, like, how, what do you tell them? Hey, we're going to plant a church and I'm not going to be here for the end of it. It was like, Hey, if you want to do this, I'll do it with you. But that was like a, like a divine confirmation through like a brother in Christ, man. So that day we decided we're going to keep pressing. A month later we launched and the rest is kind of history now. So that's what the podcast deals with. There's other things, but that's like the main thing I feel like. It's like last night we heard the story, you know, of Moses holding up the the, the staff, yeah. right? And everybody's rallying around him because he couldn't hold his, you know? So like yeah. they're coming, like your team held up your hands yeah. as you were getting ready to do this. And that's a such thousand a thousand times over. Powerful, dude. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty neat too, that first moment as a young church where they where they just call you pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And you're probably thinking to yourself, this is pretty crazy. Like 24, you know, and you've got people 
I've been in that position too, where you have people that have been walking for in the faith for a long time and you know, they're still submitting to your leadership and you're like, this is kind of surreal. Like this whole thing is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll eventually fast forward and get to where you are uh, today, but what's it like? Like (laughs) it's one thing to be disobedient and unfaithful to God and, and expect or have consequences that are like, oh, that makes sense. I did a stupid thing. I should have consequences. See Jonah. <laughs> right. Um, it's <laughs> another thing to like be faithful to God, uh, put all my all your chips in. You got a young wife. Her name's Peyton, right? Yeah. Um, young wife. You're, you're believing God for big things. You've already defeated cancer a couple of times. You're trying to do the right things. You're being faithful. What do you say to the person that's like doing their best to be faithful. And I get it. We all make mistakes, you, you, even you and Peyton in those, those moments. But what do you say to the person that's trying to be faithful and you get horrific, tragic news? Um, how do you comfort that person? Or what, what would you say to that person? Hold on. Uh, the first, we preach a lot of times through books of the Bible, um, not as like a legalistic, angry rule, but just as a trend for our church. One of the first, actually the first book of the Bible we preached through is Lamentations. Um <laughs> Because our church had a weird, unique view of suffering. Um, but in Lamentations 3, uh, the author says, This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Um, and when I preach that to our church, I mean, if, you, if, if you're listening and you don't know Lamentations, Lamentations is just this hodgepodge of upset statements at God after Jerusalem falls. Everything is horrible. That verse, man, it, there's like there's the two things. His mercies are new every morning, yeah. and this I call to mind, right? So so yeah. there's this act of remembering the goodness of God. He had to remember something good of God. Hmm. And then because he remembered that, he was pointed to truth. I think I think we often, and in my own life I wrestle with this. I'm, this is coming from a student, not a teacher, right? But what I've learned in my experience and what I think suffering does, I think suffering is one of the best disciplers when it's handed over to Jesus, um, is, is I really had to learn to believe what God had said to me, what the word says. I had to believe, you know, uh, the convictions and callings I had. And I had to believe them in the midst of really horrible circumstances. But to do that, I had to remember, right? Yeah. Like when you're puking in a trash can a few weeks into your church plant on stage in the middle of the sermon yeah. and, and nothing's working and the AC's out and it's hot and everything's broken. Man, there was nothing good in that moment. Like, I don't care how many live, laugh, love, like, signs you put on your wall. It sucked. But I can remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I can remember being 15 years old and hearing the gospel in the back of a burger shop from a random kid who shared Jesus with me. I could remember feeling peace uh, the day I got baptized. I could remember what Jesus had done in my family, restoring people who, uh, you know, were far from Christ. Like, remembering those things was giving me hope, right? And then this, this, this promise, his mercies are new every morning. And what does that mean? That means that there's never, uh, there's never, uh, an infinite amount of bad. If, if you're a child of God, there will come joy. Even if that joy, uh, comes in the new creation, the new heaven and new earth, man, just hold on. Just keep waiting and keep remembering. Mm. Wait and remember. And then I think of Isaiah 40, 31, another verse that's been powerful for me. Those who wait on the Lord will have their faith renewed. Right. And then it goes on. They'll rise up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They walk and will not faint. When you have cancer and you're getting chemo, you faint a lot and you're always weary. But that promise that if you wait on your Lord, your faith will be renewed. What does that mean? It means that God's never going to abandon us when we wait on him. Mm. That that would be my thing. Wait and remember and trust yeah. that he'll do the thing he said he would. So That's good, yeah. man. Hold I was, on and, and bring those things to mind as you're holding on. You know, when you're it. when you're telling your story, I um I also teach like high school theology at our little private school. And uh nice. I was um we were just working through Job, right? Yeah. Um and and the kids were reading this and and because a lot of our kids are struggling with different issues. And when I hear your story, obviously you didn't lose family, you didn't lose all your possessions. I mean the Job story is very intense, but there is this point where Job says it would have been better if I hadn't even been born, you know, and he never forsakes God, but you can tell like when he's He's scraping himself with pottery, you know, like things are not going well. Like when you're on, when you're on stage throwing up and you're just trying to get through a message, things are not going well. Like in those deep, dark moments, um, where you're talking about thinking about your own you know, am I going to make it? And a doctor says to you, holy cow, you might only have a couple of years to live. Yeah. Like, 
what did you do to not, to not stop fighting? Uh, man, I wish I could say I, I did anything. Yeah. I stopped fighting consistently. Mm. I gave up constantly. Mm. I wrote a resignation letter probably 30 times. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. Yeah, I feel man. Like, I feel like we have this crappy – and not you. Like, understand what I'm saying. I feel like in, in Christian culture, especially in ministry, we have this crappy way of uh, of making uh, – yeah, of making heroes of ourselves and mm. never telling the full story. Yeah. So I could tell you that I got up every Sunday and I preached the gospel that I never missed a Sunday morning because I was sick, and that's true. Uh, what I'm not telling you is that I had a brother – I had a brother in ministry, man, who called me every week and just prayed with me, who would let me scream or, or freak out or cry. I had a wife who uh, more times than once told me if God called you to plant a church and God knew you'd get cancer, God called you to plant a church with cancer. Mm. Like just these simple foundational truths, man. Um, so, so how did I keep going? I kept going because people loved me. And, and that's the communal factor of faith. Uh, there's a million views of communion in, in the church. And, uh, you know, I, I realize that. But one beautiful thing I think we miss in communion is it's communion with God, with others, which yeah. is why communion in the assembly is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. We're a communion weekly church. That's not a rule for everybody, just us. And one of the reasons we do that is it's every week we come together and we remind each other that we are bought by the broken body and the blood of Jesus into one body, into one family. And if one part suffers, all suffers. Mm. Man, uh, Jamie Caldwell was my church plant catalyst with Sun Network. Now he's like my best friend. I work for him part time with Sun Network. Uh, and I remember him telling me, hey, you don't have to plant the church, but like if you want to, we're with you. I remember when he said that. I'm like, dude, I just told you I'm dying. Why would you guys give me money to start something? It's not a good return on investment. Like, <laughs> you're not Mark Cuban, but, like, you can do better than that. And I remember him just saying, yeah. we're with you. Like, he's like, I'm with you. But it wasn't him saying it because people will post all day when you have cancer. They love you. Yeah. It was the fact that he drove two hours each way in a, like, rainstorm on, like, a drop of a dime to come sit with my wife and I. You're it, saying – It was the – you're. It was, it was, you're oh, saying sorry, you're no, that's fine. You're saying if you were on Shark Tank, they probably would all say we're out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but the kingdom of God works on a currency far different than this world, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think that currency is faith. Um and, and what I mean by that is like God like saves us, He calls us to faith. And then I think there's something in the church that's hard in a politically polarized, uh, very diverse theologically church in America. Well, we're weird, bro. Like we're weird in America. Yeah. Uh you look at churches in other countries, we're the weird ones. But there's this, like, beauty in faith in each other, right? And, and I believe Jamie Caldwell had faith in me, that if God called me, he was going to walk with me. My wife had faith in what God called us to. Uh, and I could list, I could list, you know, I could tell you about the Keith Conkles and the David Elliots and the Stephen Dubs who were elders in our church uh, and still are. I could tell you about the, the visitors who would come in, smell puke, and offer to pray for me. Mm. And they don't, like, that's not normal, but, like, right. that's the story, man. It kept going because people kept believing and loving and encouraging. If it was up to Richard Pope, Canvas would have died very early on because I was mm. so tired and angry. Mm. But when God's body actually comes together the way we're supposed to, I think beautiful things happen every time. Mm. And I think that you're hitting on something that I want you to talk more about that you said earlier of, like, suffering is maybe the best discipler out there for us because I think— so yeah. many of us here in our nation uh, seek to avoid suffering at all costs mm -hmm. and just pursue absolute comfort, borderline luxury as much as possible. And, and so what have you seen in suffering? And clearly I don't think the answer is like inten <laughs> intentionally suffer because it's a good discipler. Mm -hmm. But like, what, yeah, what do you, how, how is suffering a great discipler? What did you see in your life? Yeah. Uh, suffering, I would, I would add one thing to that, is a great discipler when submitted to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I, remember, I remember having this idea once, uh, and maybe I ripped it off, maybe it's original, uh, but whenever we face anything, we have the option to reflect it back to God or to reflect it to something else, right? We can either, like, suffering can very easily drive you to idolatry. Um, it, it's very easy when you're suffering to cling on so hard to what you do have when you feel like you have nothing. Uh, worship, though, is taking whatever you have and dropping it at the feet of Jesus. I think suffering is a great discipler when turned to Jesus primarily because the less, it's, it's like fasting. When you have less, I think you see Jesus more clearly. Alternatively, when you learn to sit with Jesus in less, 
like, I think it's very easy to want to be a Christian uh, when, you know, uh, you get told, hey, if you're a Christian, your cancer gets healed miraculously. Hmm. Uh, that's not how that works. Um, not all the time, sometimes. But, like, but when you sit and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be healed, but I have Jesus here with me. When you become content with that, which I'm still working on, I'm not an expert in, but I'm, I'm a student, not a teacher. As you learn to be content with Jesus in the midst of less, I think you love him more. Um, cancer has a, specifically has a really unique way of taking things from you. Uh, I couldn't work out, which I love. I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't really hang out with my friends and write crappy music like I love. Uh, there was all these things that were taken from me because I was always sick and I had to be away from people. So Sunday for me was like the one time I really was around people. Yeah. But like, I, I, like, I still had Jesus, right? Like, in that moment, I could have either, uh, and I did a lot. I could have ran to other things. Uh, I remember playing video games for 45 hours one week and being like, why do these people pay me for anything? <laughs> uh, but then the next week, uh, I was challenged by a guy in our church. He's like, hey, you could call members of the church and do care. And I was like, oh, man, I'm a really crappy pastor and you're a really nice guy. Uh, like, like, it was just those moments where I realized that, like, you can be obedient in the midst of suffering. That helped me to follow Jesus. So now in a season of life, and I, I think we can share a little bit later, Zach, uh, when you tell me we should share that. Uh, I, I'm a little bit like life's better right now than it was back then in a, in a couple of different ways. But like, yeah. I still remember what it was like. You know what I mean? It's like, if you eat out of yeah. a food pantry, you always appreciate steak more than the person who never did. Right. <laughs> like it's kind of like if you, if you battle cancer and then life gets a little bit healthier, you get a little bit better. You're yeah. going to appreciate health a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answered the questions. Zach. Yeah, it did. And and, and I want to press into what you were talking about at the end, end is like when you have cancer, you just see things and do things differently. So, so as a disciple, like what, what did change in you uh, of like once you got diagnosed with, okay, I may have three to five, like doctors tell me I have three to five years. Mm-hmm. So how does yeah. that change your outlook on life? And how can that help an everyday disciple who maybe doesn't have that diagnosis yeah. or that timeline or expiration date that's coming, um, but but help us who do at some point have an expiration date on this life? Like talk to us a little yeah. bit about how it, that that terminal, that that three to five years really changed your perspective on how you lived as a disciple of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I wasn't wallowing in self-pity, laying on the floor in my shame uh, and sadness, there was this other side of me, and it was this rampant aggression towards life in like a healthy, I think a healthy and beautiful way. Um, I would argue that every person on the surface terminal Terminal is just a made-up word we made to, to explain something that's natural. The wages of sin is death. We're born in sin, but the free gift of God, right? We know the verses of eternal life through Christ Jesus. We're all terminal. Mm-hmm. So, so I think as a non-Christian, for example, you're terminal. And according to what I think the gospel means, you're made in the image of God, but you're disconnected from your purpose because your purpose is found in him who you're made in the image of. For the Christian, then that would mean that we're all terminal. Our purpose is found in him who we're made in the image of. Yeah. Which means our entire purpose is Jesus. I, lo- I love the way the the Presbyterians say it. Uh, the chief end of man is to know God and enjoy him forever, right? Uh, if that's true, which I believe it is, and we're all terminal, that means that our enjoyment should be really aggressive. Like, we should aggressively enjoy Jesus. And I use that word aggressive for a reason because I think aggression means pursuing and holding. Like, I want to hold on to Jesus in a way that you can't take him from me, right? Like, I want to seek Jesus aggressively. So what that led to for me personally, I was, when I wasn't wallowing in self-pity, I want to add that disclaimer, I was way more intentional. Um, I was way more passionate about evangelism. Uh, nothing fired me up personally, like sharing the gospel when I was told I'm going to die. So, so those kind of things um, became a little bit more, a little bit more uh, intentional, but it was all in this, like, I want to know and enjoy Jesus more. Like, I want to know and enjoy Jesus more. And because I want to know and enjoy Jesus more, I'm going to work harder to be more obedient. Um, yeah, for me, in a lot of ways, the cancer actually helped me battle some, like, duh, these these doubts or, or things I was battling with in my own faith because I didn't really have a choice because I had to deal with the mortality of my own life every single day. That's good. Yeah, and so I can imagine, like, not just with job, but relationships. And, uh, you know, people talk about bucket lists, you know, that they're— Everybody's got these things that they love to do. I just, yeah, I can just see that. I like that word, aggressively pursuing life. Like that's that's so cool. Yeah. Well, and I, 
I, I go back to some, two things that um, were said previously, and I think one of the, in the show notes, we should underline this. This is a, a key to your wife right here, Allison, who does our show notes so wonderfully. You said that your wife came to you in the midst of one of your darkest times, and she said, I don't think God would call you because he's, he knew that you were going to have cancer. Like cancer diagnosis did not surprise God, right? Yeah. And he called you as a church planter, and we know that because you had a group right. of people that affirmed that call. Like to me, yeah. if my wife would have came to me at that point when I had so much self-doubt, like that must have been incredible. I love that line. Yeah. Uh, and then the next, the next thing that you said was that um, I've seen so many times where suffering has increased our faith. Like for me, I was going through this really like struggle of faith when my first child was born and my wife worked at night and I worked in the day and we just passed the baby back and forth to each other. Mm -hmm. And she always had this, um, she, she was born with this extreme asthma. So she would be fine during the day, but it was like, as soon as my wife passed my daughter off to me, she'd start wheezing and like, couldn't breathe. And I just remember taking all these walks for like months and months and months and just praying like, God, if you're up there, I don't understand why you'd let this little kid like struggle. And it was funny, like when she turned four years old, I had prayed for her like relentlessly every day. And she took her inhaler and she threw it in the trash can. And she said, dad, I don't need this anymore. And mm. I was thinking to myself, well, you're crazy. And I dug it out of the <laughs> trash. Um, but like, it just kind of went away. And wow. I was thinking to myself, if I hadn't had those four years, I don't know if I'd be a pastor. I don't know yeah. if I'd be a church planner. I don't even know if I'd be a Christian, you know, like I, and, and mm. I think about your story and the power of all those people coming around you at the right time. And so many people say like, Oh, um, I don't see, I, I, I would believe in God if I could see God. Right. But like, oh my gosh, you saw Jesus all around you at so yeah. many times. Like God works through people. That's the yeah. story here today. And uh, like when it comes to your diagnosis, I don't know if we want to get into this next or what yeah. your next question was. Go for but, it. But um, what have you learned through this process? Like, like if you're going to, you have a heck of a book in you at some point, maybe <laughs> Red Letter publishes it. I don't know. Um, but you, you like... What is the opening statement of that book besides it's dedicated to all the people that held up my arms when I couldn't yeah. hold up my own? It's dedicated to the person who like prayed for me when they smelled puke on the altar, you know, like your dedication yeah. section is going to be massive, but <laughs> what's that opening page look like? This is what I learned. Yeah, man, you ask good questions. Uh, dude, it looks like 2 Samuel 9, which is an obscure Bible story, I think. David's kindness to Mephibosheth, grandson of Saul. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2 Samuel 9, verse 11, it says he sat at the king's table like one of the king's sons. The last verse of 2 Samuel 9 said he was lame in both his feet, which if you know the story, he was dropped as a baby mm -hmm. when the nurse was taking him out. Um, man, I think the biggest thing I learned is that God raises us to the table as sons uh, we feast and dine with a king mm. that we were an enemy of. That, 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 Mephibosheth in that text, uh, says, who are you, who am I that you would recognize a dead dog such as I? Not to, you know, break the whole believing yourself culture, but when we really <laughs> recognize our natural standing before God as enemies, and in, like invalid is the word they would use in the, in the Jewish culture, but then we're validated by the presence of the king raising us to the table like one of his sons. Mm. That's the gospel. Amen. And in my own life, I, I used to hate, I would preach that. It was my, it was my go-to sermon when I preached at all the youth church groups around here. I hated, man, that it ended with, now he was lame in both his feet. I'm like, why would you put that there? Like, have you heard of the ADA? Have you heard of like kindness? Uh, in cancer, I realized why they put that there. Cause it was to show us that his relationship to David wasn't limited by his disability uh, or his, or his weakness. In other words, a good king loves us in spite of what's broken inside of us. Yeah. How much more does the greatest king 
who is love himself, yeah. love me in spite of my cancer, in spite of my sin, yeah. in spite of my shortcoming. And, and that's what suffering showed me, that I'm lame uh, in a whole bunch of tumors in my body, but God still raises me to the table. Why? Because he loves me, mm. because he's kind, and because he's good. That would be page one. All right, Five. I like it. That's good. All right. Good. Cool. Richard. I, I uh, love it, man. Richard, so, catch us up. Yeah, catch but, us up. So, oh, so well, we never get, mind. Yeah, no, I, I want gonna, that, but okay. we talked about the— <laughs> The launch and, you know, your church is with you. Uh, you have yeah. launch Sunday, which is just a couple months after you were diagnosed. And every week is like, I don't know what God is doing. Yeah. So walk Come us through, now. like, from the launch um, to uh, the first couple of years of how the church w went yeah. and, and what, what you saw. Also, I can't imagine prepping a sermon, like, after chemo. You know, like, it's hard enough to put together a bunch of Coherent thoughts. thoughts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, you get in a rhythm. Chemo was on Mondays. Sermon prep was Sunday after church. There you go. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> Healthy rhythms, man. I, I think they help us. That's yeah, one of the yeah. com conversation topics. But um, yeah, so I'll give you some cool highlights that I, I like sharing. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of crap. I just want to say, like, if you're a church planter and you hear this, please know we had all the crappy stuff you had. Uh, I'll just share the highlight reel real quick. But like, it gets real. Uh, you know, there's the non-Instagrammable uh, Yeah, thing. sure. But we trained three other elders. Uh, our church has led plurality of elders as our model. Um, we trained three other elders by that December because we were really intentional about leadership sufficiency. Yeah. Because if I died, there had to be leaders there. Mm. Um, we have seen over 150 people come to faith in Christ Amen. in the last two, almost three years. Um, our church like, was like the kind of kind of like the mission church in the, in the city, like uh, lots of impoverished addicts, et cetera. Then all of a sudden all these college kids started showing up and now we're like this beautiful, harmonious mix of deeply impoverished, marginalized college kids and young hipsters. Mm -hmm. And like these people don't hang out, right? The hipsters yeah. think the college kids are dweebs. The dweebs yeah. are scared that they're going to get robbed. <laughs> but like somehow in the midst of like frat guys and like – craft beer drinking people, uh, not at our church because we're still in Baptist, but before they come. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and then you have, you know, your, your people who are coming in with track marks on their arms and they're sitting in one pew worshiping together. Mm. Uh, praise God, That's right? Cool. That's right. the kingdom. So yeah. that, that we outgrew the first building. Now we meet that ugly, nasty building. We were done with it. We didn't keep it as offices. We hated it. Uh, now we're in the Chipman Cultural Center here in Salisbury. Which the big thing is it was the first church built for freed slaves oh, wow. on the eastern shore of Maryland. Um, Frederick Douglass preached there oh, on the gosh. first floor to raise money for the second floor sanctuary we have church in now. Mm. Wow. So, uh, yeah, praise be to God. And we're about to either go to two services or prayerfully consider a new building because we've outgrown this one. Amen. Uh, this October, we planted a church 30 minutes up the road. So two, two and a half years old, we planted another church. We have two church planting residents, um, one probably going next year, one going the year after. So by time we're five, we'll plant three churches if, you know, God willing. Uh, and that's all the incredible highlights. We also have trained a crap ton of leaders and deployed a college <laughs> missionary. So like God's been really, 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 really extra cool to our church. That's yeah. awesome. Um, and, and I'm grateful for all that. So I love Canvas the, is thriving. the phrasing. Yeah. We've trained a crap ton of leaders. Yeah, um, that's, that's great. <laughs> you should put that on a shirt. <laughs> yeah. That can't go in the book. That can't go in the yeah, book. Okay. Oh, no, it's good. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's the title. <laughs> <laughs> training a crap ton of leaders with cancer. I like it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, so, so great. And I love yeah, obviously you mentioned there's uh, in church planting and just obviously with what you're going through, there's the whole other side too that's not Instagrammable, not mm -hmm. highlight. But and that's the beauty though is that there are all yeah. these highlights um, yeah. that when we partner with God, of course we still have all the mess and brokenness, mm -hmm. um, and He does something powerfully in and through that. And you yeah. are such an example of that as the pastor of Canvas Church uh, of that. And so I just thank you for your courage. Um, and, and your fight, because it's not only helping your church, but like when people hear that other podcast or this one, they're going to be encouraged and inspired and challenged on their own. And, uh, cause I know it doesn't come without cost. And so uh, in those couple of years, um, share a little more about your journey, like what's going on with cancer, how you're feeling through that yeah. process. And then I saw an update on Facebook the other day. So walk me through the couple of years all the way till, um, the update I just saw a few days ago. And this, and we're recording this in February um, for those who yeah. want to timestamp it. Yeah. Uh, August of 2021, we stopped chemo. Uh, oh, uh, praise God. That's uh, – uh, oh, wait. Well, it was a, 
it was kind of a bad thing oh. when we did. So okay. Uh, it's okay, Chris. You have a bright red jacket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh, – yeah, uh, 2021, February toward its terminal. They want to do chemo not with the hopes of beating it but just with the hopes of slowing it down. Yeah. Um, August, we realized it wasn't slowing it down mm. and I was sick all the time. Oh. Uh, January uh, 2022 um, till, you know, so basically 2022. I don't know why I was going to say January, December, just 2022. Uh, I get worse mm. but it's very slow. Like it's not as aggressive as I think they thought it was going to be. Um Obviously, now I know that. I'll share in a minute. But then January of 2023, I preached uh, one of those, you know, those youth, those weekend youth conferences Mm -hmm. that make you doubt if you ever want to go around anybody (laughs) under the age of 12, like 20 again. (laughs) I preached at one of those uh, in in Maryland. It's Skycroft Conference Center called Reboot, like 300 kids, tons of kids want to get baptized and follow Jesus. And it's incredible. And the whole weekend we're there. I'm coughing up blood clots, which was a new symptom for me. Um, January of 2023, I remember telling my wife, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to die. Like, really soon. I, I just, I was sick. I was losing energy. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really, we, as a church, we've done a really good job of presenting the image that I'm okay. Because there's something about building confidence. And it's really hard to plan a church with a dying pastor. Um, there were some unique challenges there. But, man, I, I would lay on the couch for days. I And there's no chemo. There's no treatment. It just is what it is. But something started to change. Uh, February, our church funding resident starts a little residency with us. April, we celebrate two years, and somewhere between February and April, I just remember feeling better. Hmm. And no reason, uh, starting in April, I do 75 hard. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's like two workouts a day, one outside, no matter the weather, one inside, 10 books of paper, diet, uh, you know, it's one of those things, 10 pages of a book, you follow a diet. And I lost like 30 pounds, um, and I just did it because I was like, Forget it, man. I want to do something crazy. Uh, and doing 75 hard with cancer is crazy. Uh, <laughs> at the end of 75 hard, I had a follow-up appointment. The doctor told me the cancer had shrunk by like 8%. But my doctor, same doctor, doesn't always have the best bedside manner. Uh, he said, less you, less cancer. Basically saying <laughs> – You're 8% less, less too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally what he was saying. Oh, that's good. Uh, but then very recently – Zach, if I can share this now. Yeah. Um, very recently, so uh, three or four weeks ago now, I had a follow-up, which is routine. They basically, when, you, when you're told you're terminal, they still do scans periodically to see how fast you're dying. That's really what it is. Uh, and they do the scans, and the doctor comes in, and he's super confused, uh, which, again, confused doctor is not always a good thing. It's either good or bad. There's no middle. Um, and the doctor shares with me that the cancer shrunk by 29%, and not from where it was, because it grew from, you know, February 2021 to yeah. we don't know when it stopped growing. And then there was the 8% shrinkage. But the 8% shrinkage was from what it had grown to. The doctor says it's 29% smaller than when I told you you were terminal. So this thing rapidly reduced in four or five months. Um, no chemo, no treatment. Uh, this is a but God story, man. And then the doctor's like, what happened is somehow your immune system – went into overdrive and started attacking the cancer. Simultaneously, the cancer stopped fighting. So your immune system's kicking the cancer while it's down, and we don't know what caused your immune system to do it. Like, they know why the cancer shrunk. They don't know what caused it to happen. Um, my immune system, he said, is like, by their whatever metrics they have from, you know, antibodies and blah, 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 medical stuff, they're like, your immune system's like three times stronger than the average male your age. That doesn't make sense for someone with cancer uh, that's terminal, that's going to kill him. That was coughing up blood clots uh, less than uh, about a year earlier. So yeah. cancer shrunk 29%. We just shared it with our church last Sunday, which was exciting. We wanted to tell our elders and family first. Um, the doctor started me on immunotherapy. I started my first treatment this week, which was not as bad as chemo, praise God. Um, and right now, the, where it currently sits, and, and if you're listening, pray for me and my wife and my family and my church, please. But right now, the doctor said there's a really good chance we could do long-term maintenance. Wow. And you could live a long, full life with the right mix of diet, lifestyle changes, immunotherapy. And the doctor said maybe, just maybe, we can beat it. 
I like crazy things, Zach, just to tie it back to the first question. So I'm choosing to believe Come on. that it's going to go away. Yes. And if I'm wrong, Jesus will be there. So that's kind of my – that's where it stands, man. That's that's what we're holding on to. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Praise God. And, yeah. and I know when I initially invited you onto the podcast, that news wasn't there. So it wasn't like uh, – Hey, come share. Come Let's share book him now that we know the good positive. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what a what yeah. a great. You asked me before I even knew. Yeah. So. What a great blessing, and and uh, you know this is why we tell our story. We overcome the mm. enemy. We come back to that by the blood of the Lamb already spilled, mm. and the word of our testimony. Mm. And mm. and uh, you know I just see in you no matter what happens, um, and we're prayerfully going to pray that yeah you you beat this and and God um, does a mighty work in you. And through it all, you've got just a more powerful story mm-hmm. um, that has so much depth um, to it and, and has brought so much spiritual dependence and maturity on God um, that there is a whole new level that God wants to take you, Canvas Church, and your ministry and your influence to that you would never have had had not this not happened. Um, and so, man, I'm just super grateful and prou- I'm proud of you um, for doing it, and I'm inspired and challenged by you. Well, and I'm so thankful that I know that we have all kinds of listeners and yeah. there's there's going to be somebody that's listening to this right now that's battling with what you battled with. And I think yeah. that you have two choices when you get diagnosed with uh, terminal disease. You can either lean in to the people who love you, uh, but I see a lot of people retreat. I see a lot of people, yeah. and it would have been easy to retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, thank God you didn't yeah. um, because... I think that, uh, you know, all those people praying for you and loving you, uh, yeah. that's God working through those folks. So good, man. Hey, we ask all of our guests, uh, we, at the end of the day, want this podcast to challenge everyday disciples to be greater disciples. Mm. And so if you could challenge uh, our listeners to do one thing practically this week, um, to be a greater disciple of Jesus, what, what challenge would you throw down? Yeah, and, super and I, practical. Yeah, okay, cool. Go ahead. Uh, pray that Jesus would give you, and I mean pray, like actually pray, not just, you know, type praying on Facebook, but pray that Jesus would give you a passion for lost people, recognizing that you and them are all terminal, mm-hmm. and time really is limited. Pray that Jesus would give you a passion for lost people, because all of you, everyone's terminal. Uh, and when you realize that, man, God does incredible things when we have a sense of urgency about the gospel. Mm-hmm. So pray that Jesus would give you a passion. A passion for lost people. So good, man. All right, listeners, if you take that on and you're praying that God would give you passion for lost people, let us know. Hashtag Red Letter Disciple on social or just email us. Hello at redletterchallenge.com. We want to know um, and encourage you that in in your discipleship. Um, and so uh, what a great what a great challenge makes total sense with what God's done in your story. And it's a great reminder for all of us um, to live with urgency. Our lives do matter. Our days are significant and what we do can make a difference. So love it. Yeah. So I had a game planned, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit is is telling me that game's stupid. And I want to pray for you. Cool. Cool. Uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, I know that you love Richard. And I know that you've called him to plant Canvas Mm -hmm. Church. And so first and foremost, I want to thank you, Lord, for working through all those people that held his hands, held his arms up. Um, Because, Lord, we know um, when we get that stuff, when we get that that word from the doctor, that it is soul crushing at times. And and so, Lord, I thank you for uh, Richard and his wife, and for all those faithful disciples at Canvas. And Lord, I just come, uh, Zach and I come before you today, yeah. and we call on the power of the name of Jesus mm-hmm. that you would just continue to shrink that cancer in the name of Jesus, that you would completely take it away, whether it be through your miraculous touch right now or through the immunotherapy. We don't care, but we know that even though we just met Richard, that you have called him and created him to be a person to spread your gospel. Mm -hmm. And so Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray no more cancer for Richard, that he would be gone, that he would live an amazing life spreading your word and your name. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Thank Chris. you. Thanks, yeah, bro. brother. Yeah, Richard. If people want to connect with you and uh, fo- and find you, follow you, uh, where can they find you these days? Yeah, the easiest place is Instagram, Richard Cape Hope, and everything else is linked there. So, all right, brother. I'm following you in two minutes. <laughs> Very nice. good. I'll yeah. follow you back. 
And uh, we're friends now. Hey yo, and get the full story. Uh, if you're a podcast, that's what's great is this is a podcast, and so I know I'm talking to podcast listeners. Exactly. So go go subscribe or follow um, Terminal, the Dying uh, Church planter. I got a long plane ride tomorrow. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, it's awesome. Eight episodes, and it actually dives in not just to Richard's cancer story, but he's got uh, a pretty uh, pretty amazing, powerful story of God working and through him as a child as well and some things. And so uh, it's really great. Thanks for sharing your story, man. You're bringing freedom. You're overcoming you. the enemy. Keep doing it. All right, bro? Thank you. God, God, bless. Richard, Thank God you. bless you, man. I told you we were kicking off season six with a really powerful story. Uh, I am so grateful for Richard. Uh, His example is inspiring and challenging me. And what he's learned through this and the counting of days and how precious and urgent life is, is a reminder, a great reminder for all of us, no matter what we're facing. And so, hey, if you want to connect more with Richard and his story, if you want to see that the podcast limited series that's actually designed uh, around his story, I would highly encourage you to listen to that. Or if you want to check out his church or more, check out our show notes at redletterpodcast.com. We'll have all the links there. Again, thanks to our sponsor, Red Letter Living, the company that I got to lead. Uh, We're so excited that uh, so many churches are jumping into our 40-day challenges to be greater disciples. And we really want to challenge you to get your church in after Easter for a really powerful 40 days. You'll find that coupon code at our show notes, redletterpodcast.com, to get an extra $100 off any order of $1,000 or more. And plus, they're already discounted. So it's a double discount for you. So get that. Easter's coming up and 40 days after Easter, we got to make those decisions now as pastors and church leaders, and we'd love to lock arms with you. Next week's guest is a friend of mine, Cap Chatfield, that's joining us in studio. Cap is an online pastor here in Omaha, Nebraska, where I live, and he is a YouTube influencer. And so many want to be YouTube influencers. And so we talk about the the good and the bad of this. And he would know. He went from, here's his, here's his story, a thousand subscribers at the beginning of 2023 to more than a million by the end of the year. So we're going to learn the how. But also I, what I really want to hear from Cap is there's a story behind the story. And I want you to see potentially how YouTube and these other platforms can be effective tools for discipleship. Or can they? That's what we're going to find out next week. That's a that's called a cliffhanger and a teaser. It's going to be an awesome episode, uh, and you're going to love it. So make sure you don't miss it. And the way you don't miss it, again, is you follow or you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening or watching. And that way, like automatically, it'll pop up on your feed, and you're going to hear a great conversation that's going to challenge you to be a greater disciple of Jesus. And so we'll see you back next week for the Red Letter Disciple. God bless you.